0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm going to be talking with you today about Aspects. Now, I have to tell you that I I recorded this a few weeks ago and forgot about it. And then I was posting on Aspects this week, and Miller Life asked me when I was going to do another podcast. And that reminded me, ooh, I recorded one a few weeks ago, and duh, it was on Aspects. And that's what we're talking about in my Instagram this week. So... Thank you so much for reminding me that I actually had this one. Um, just hadn't, you know, put it together and, and, and uploaded it. So here you go. If you want to see some of what we're talking about with aspects, go over to my Instagram and, uh, you'll be able to find there's a highlight reel where you can, uh, quickly go to those posts if you want to check them out and you can see the discussion in the comments. So here you go. This is sort of an intro overview on what aspects are in your chart. I hope it's helpful. Aspects show how pieces in the chart interact with each other. They show us ways of connecting parts of ourselves. And those connections are built on repetition in other lives. So It's like you put those pieces together or you've worked with them in such a way that you have formed habits and patterns of belief between them. And it takes a while to get really comfortable working with assets, aspects in your chart. They're assets, (laughs) working with aspects in your chart. So just remember, like everything with astrology, you know, you learn in layers. So it's something that as you continue to study and you continue to practice and look at your chart and look at other charts, understand more and more and more. But today I just want to give you an introduction to the major aspects that I work with. And what they actually are are their, their angular relationships between the the pieces in your chart. So and those pieces are when I say pieces I mean planets, the ascendant, midheaven, and the nodes. So aspects are the angles formed between those various pieces. And not every piece in your chart Will have a lot of aspects. Most pieces typically form at least one aspect. Some may form a lot. Some a few. It's even possible to have a piece without any aspects. So, you know, um, so don't don't feel like you there's something wrong with you or there's a problem if you don't have aspects. It's also interesting to look at themes. Like sometimes people have a lot of a particular aspect. Again, that's not good or bad. It's all just information. And that's really one of the things I would love for you to embrace when looking at your chart, is to really take in the astrology and use it as information and not fuse into it a lot of judgments about this is good and this is bad. Because honestly, that's not helpful. The whole part of the chart is to be revelatory for you. The whole reason your soul came in with this this messaging to you is to say here's here's some stuff to work on. Here's some stuff that will help you. So it's not to mock you or to doom you. It's all information that ultimately can help you. So let's start off looking with at conjunctions. Um, I like to start there because I think it's the easiest aspect to find in your chart. Because a conjunction is when the angle is zero. It's when you know the two pieces are together. So an exact conjunction conjunction means that the pieces. Are the exact same degree in minutes. Now, aspects are rarely exact like that. So we use something called an orb or a plus or minus. And in the case of a conjunction, pieces are conjunct when they're close together within seven degrees of each other. So that means, like, if you have a piece at, you know, 10 degrees of Leo and four degrees of Leo. Well, that's within seven degrees, so they're conjunct. Uh, Whereas if it was like, you know, four degrees and 15 degrees would not be conjunct. Also, pieces can be in different signs and be conjunct. So you could have, you know, 28 degrees of cancer and then three degrees of Leo, and that's within seven degrees. So they're conjunct. So the pieces are going to be close together and they're going to be within seven degrees of each other. And when that happens, when they form a conjunction, these pieces form an inseparable, unified system. It means they always work together. And it means that in other lives, you put them together so much that you got to the point where you almost confuse them because you just automatically lump them together. And in fact, when you read about those planets... You know, like if you're reading an astrology book or listening to a podcast or reading something on a website and they talk about them as these separate things, you're like, well, wait a minute, they're the same for me. Like they literally always work together for me. So you have to, if you're going to look at other people's charts, you have to remember that even though you always put those things together, not everybody does. So, for example, if the sun is conjunct Mercury... So if they're within seven degrees of each other, then you, I, then if that's you, then you identify with your mind. You believe you are your thoughts. You believe you are your rational mind, and you may feel invalidated if somebody doesn't agree with you. So for someone who doesn't have that conjunction, let's say I'm, I'm talking to someone else, they don't have that conjunction. You know they believe in a different thing than I do. We talk, we have a disagreement, we move on. If you have that, we talk. We have this disagreement. It's like, wait a minute, you're not just disagreeing with something I believe in. You're disagreeing with who I am. So you have to be kind of mindful about that. That you know, for most people that don't have that, they what they believe about something isn't necessarily how they define themselves. Now, it does mean that if you have Mercury and Sun conjunct, you're probably intelligent. I mean, you're someone who says, you know. I think I'm smart because <laughs> the sun is who you believe you are. And they typically, no matter what the sign is, they typically have a strong capacity to identify with things logically. And I love when I see somebody like with Mercury and sun and Pisces, because you've got this really like, you've got all the dreaminess, you know, of the Pisces, But there's also this like really solid, interesting, logical piece that comes in too. So, you know, aspects are really strong and they are felt regardless of the house and the signs that are involved. Um, It's important, though, to remember always that the way you put things together in your chart isn't necessarily the way other people put them together in their charts. And like, for example, Venus conjunct Saturn. That's someone who really loves organization and structure, and they value longevity. And when they love, they commit. They mean, you know, for love, for them, love is enduring. Love means you stick it out. Love means you're there for the person. So conjunctions are the energies always work together. And when we have pieces that are conjunct, we just don't differentiate them. So that's why they're like a unified system. Now, when you have Mercury and Neptune conjunct, there's no separation between the rational mind and intuition. So the mind is completely intuitive. And that's really cool in a lot of, I think, obvious ways. But it can also feel scary for people that have this because they can even sort of wonder if they're crazy. And they can like almost hear what other people are thinking and then confuse the thoughts they're, that they're picking up from other people as their own. So, you know, with all placements, there's a lot of interesting gifts and challenges that kind of go along with them. Some some seem to bring a few more gifts, some seem to bring a few more challenges, um, but, you know, you're going to look at all of it relative to the pieces involved, the houses, the signs, the degrees, and, you know, the whole rest of the chart. And as we go through these, um, talking about the different aspects, I'm going to use that Mercury-Neptune conjunction consistently. I mean, I'll use other examples as well, but I also want you to see how the relationship between Mercury and Neptune can vary based on the type of aspect that it forms together. So we have the conjunction means they're close together within seven degrees. It's a unified system. Now let's look at an opposition and an opposition is a 180 degree angle plus or minus 7 degrees so it's when two things are opposing each other and again in an equal house chart it's really easy to see those because the the place the the houses are laid out um, evenly. So it's easy to see when things are directly opposite each other. So it, it literally is just that. Think about what a 180 means. You know, you don't have to know geometry to remember that 180 degrees means you're just directly opposite of something. And with oppositions, you, you know that you have both pieces and you don't confuse them like you do with a conjunction where those always work together. The thing is, though, you don't know how to connect them. So what I always say is, it's like you can't get there from here. Like this, You don't know how to connect this part of yourself to the other part of yourself. And I always use the example, it's like you're driving down the highway and you can see where you need to go. Like you see the hotel or you see the resort or you see the building, whatever it is, you know that's where you want to go, but you don't know how to get off the highway to get over there. So there's no confusion about what they are. But you've, but they've become so disconnected for you that you're struggling to connect them. So in other lives, it's like you, you felt like if you were using one, you weren't allowed to use the other. Like, like Mars opposite Saturn is someone that feels like if I go after what I want, I'm being irresponsible. Like Saturn is your sense of responsibility and commitment. And you don't know how to do that when you're going after your own ambition. And when you're being in your Saturn space, when you're being very organized and responsible, it's hard to know what it is you want. So you're aware of these things in you, but you struggle to connect them together. Mercury opposite Neptune is someone that struggles with bridging between their intuition and their rational mind. So they may struggle with how to make sense of their intuition, you know, how to intentionally connect with it and express it. And, I often see people that have this that have this tendency to like make up stories in their head that negate what they know to be true about themselves. It's like this negative self-talk that really drowns out their intuition with their mind. So what can happen is they'll get this like burst of intuition but their rational mind will go into overdrive coming up with all these reasons why it doesn't make sense to follow that intuition. So their intuitive mind and rational mind are still strongly connected. But where like in the in the um, conjunction where they always operate together, the opposition says, you know, they may be just you know incredibly intuitive, but in this life they're learning how to really recognize it and honor it and allow Mercury to be the, the rational mind, the ability to communicate language, allow that to be a conduit for sharing intuition rather than as a tool to squash the intuition. Um, Let's say moon opposite Mercury. So that's someone that doesn't know how to make sense of how they feel, or they may struggle with communicating their feelings. Mars opposite Venus, maybe someone that tends to get caught up in doing things that aren't really that important to them. Because remember, Venus is what you love, it's what matters to you, it's your priorities. And Mars is what you go after. And so those are people that often end up going after stuff that doesn't matter that much to them. Or they'll spend a lot of energy doing things that really don't make them much money. So it's like those they don't know how to put those things together. And they can sometimes actually be attracted to people that they really don't love or that don't love them. Because Mars is our sexuality and Venus is love. And when those things oppose each other, sometimes it's hard to really be attracted to those you love. And so one of the things you're working with is really connecting with sexual partners that do value you. So the conjunction means the pieces always work together, even if you get them kind of confused into being the same thing. With an opposition, the pieces are distinct, but you struggle in trying to see how to work them together. Now, one thing I want to um, mention that I, I forgot to say with the conjunction is that anything that's conjunct the ascendant is something that like if you have that, then you came into this life life absolutely requiring yourself to learn it. It's like the top of the syllabus because your your ascendant is your entrance into this world. So if you have something sitting right there on your ascendant, it's like smack dab in your face. Like it is unavoidable. You said, I will not die until I learn this or deal with this lesson. Now if it's opposite the ascendant then you came into this life wanting to push that as far away from you as you possibly could and so things that oppose the ascendant are things that you really do need to work on they contain it's it, this is valuable lessons here from that you're bringing in from other lives, but but you also came in saying, I know I need to deal with it, but I but I don't wanna like, yeah, I got to, I gotta, but I don't wanna. So, you know, those are things like if you're looking at it in your chart or someone else's chart, you know, you want to tread lightly there, and you know, the person is going to open up to that over time in their life, but those are harder things sometimes to deal with because you came in wanting to you know, push it aside. And so you'll find all kinds of reasons to do that. Whereas if something's sitting on the ascendant, it's just going to keep smacking right up in your face for you to deal with it. But both are valid. You you have to deal with both. And so they're really, you know, you came in with a plan for things that you wanted to learn in this life. You're sold it. And so you're hard pressed to get through this life, you know, without doing at least some of the things that you set out to do. Um, and remember the, the, the plus or minus, that orb, that is how close the, um, the, the angle has to be for it to be felt. So with both the opposition and the conjunction, that's a seven degree orb. Um, a square, which we're going to talk about next, that's also a seven degree orb. And that's a 90 degree angle, You know, a right angle. And it's called the forced awareness because when one energy is activated, you are forced to be aware of the other. It's like the energies literally compete for your attention. So there's like an internal kind of struggle almost between both of you, you know, pick me, pick me. And the other one's like, pick me, pick me. Now, positively, it can be a very stimulating aspect. So like anything, nothing is completely good news or bad news. So Um, you know, that forced awareness, like having to look at that energy, there's real value there. But there can also be tension there because the energies are just continuously stimulating the other, forcing an awareness of the other. So if we go back to our Mercury-Neptune example, the rational mind and the intuitive mind, they have a kind of competition going. It's like you'll get this intuitive nudge, and then right away, your rational mind starts challenging it, asking you, well, is that smart? Does it make sense? But what about this? But what about that? Here's a fact. There's a fact. Everywhere's a fact. Like it'll start maybe kind of try, trying to talk you out of it. Or if you have this rational idea that you're trying to reason through, but your imagination will just start making up stuff and say, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And so those energies sometimes, you know, just are not working together other times one can really stimulate the other. I mean, again, they're making contact. So there is strong intuition there. There's 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 a lot of energy in the past that's that's dealt with working with those energies. But the problem is is that in a square, it's a challenging kind of energy. So people with this aspect, they are incredibly intuitive. I mean, their mind is always stimulating their intuition but there are some fears and challenges with using their intuition with fully embracing their intuition with owning their intuition and one of the pieces of advice i always give to people that have that is to just try experimenting with when you get an intuitive flash when you when your gut what you know how whatever language you know you like to use when your intuition is speaking with you just go just go with it Like, you know, it gives you this nudge, I always say, to take an umbrella with you. And, you know, your mind goes into, but it's not going to rain. You know, why should I take it with me? Uh, You know, what if I I forget and leave it somewhere? It'll come up with all these reasons to talk you out of doing it. And the thing is, is just to ask yourself, well, you know, so what? Like, what if it doesn't rain? So, okay, it just means I carried my umbrella around with me. And what if I do leave it somewhere? Okay, worst case is I lose an umbrella. But you know, instead of letting your mind sort of talk you out out of it, just ask yourself, well, what you know, if there's no big harm in going with it, then I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to trust myself and do it. Um, you won't always know what would happen if you didn't. And you won't always know what happened because you did. But the point here is, is kind of learn to trust it. And what will happen more often than not is you will see some value in trusting. Like, for example, it doesn't look like rain, but oh, guess what? It ended up raining. Um, And, you know, you may forget and leave it somewhere. But what you might not know is that someone else, will encounter that umbrella at a time when they really need it and what a gift you gave them. You know, you get the feeling to turn right instead of left and you turn right. What you don't know is maybe if you turn left, you could have been in an accident. So you don't always know what happens by following your intuition. But the thing is, you want to start training yourself to trust it and to not talk yourself out of it. And the more you're able to do that with smaller things, things that won't that you see, this isn't a big risk to follow my intuition. Then it gets easier to trust it on the bigger issues. But you have to learn how to really recognize it and allow it to have its space because the mind, Mercury, can like always talk it. Um, the Neptune voice is is gentler and softer, and so you really want to, you know, give it some opportunity to present itself and develop some trust in connecting with it and listening to it. Now, a trine is a 120-degree angle. Again, plus or minus 7 degrees. And um, the easy way to think of trines is think of like the same elements in astrology. Those all trine each other, like all the fire signs trine each other, all the earth signs, etc. So a trine is 120 degrees angle. And in a trine, energies just naturally flow from one to the other. You know they're distinct. You know they're separate. Just like you know in a square and an opposition that they are different. You don't confuse them like in a conjunction. But you easily move between them. So whereas in the opposition, you don't know how to get from one to the other. And with the square, they're just like constantly, constantly going at each other. With the trine, they're just always kind of flowing back and forth between. So when you have Mercury trying Neptune, the rational mind and the intuition are in this harmonic state with each other. So these are people that generally are very effective at communicating their intuition. Their minds easily connect with their intuition. They know how to share it. They know how to, how to articulate it. The intuition just makes perfect sense. So it, it, it goes easily between the two. Now, they may also be able to easily make up a story and tell themselves it enough that they start to believe it's true because their imagination flows so easily into their rational mind. So remember, nothing in, in astrology is like inherently all the time, 100% easy, good, positive, or horrible, bad, negative. So even though the pieces work together, that doesn't always mean that they're positively productive together. You know, like Mars trying the sun, it's called the dancer sun and it's somebody that can have this really sort of ease with their body. But you can also get people with Mars trying, the trying, uh, sun trying Mars that are kind of lazy. Like it's it's like easy for them to sort of do things and they sometimes just get lazy about getting started. So, you know, no one aspect is like, great, like, oh, I want to have all trines, or I don't want to have any squares. They all have their value. They all have their purpose. They all have their place. Now, the last two aspects we're going to talk about, the sextile and the quinquunks, those have a three degree orb. They have to be tighter to be read effectively. The others are seven degree, but the sextile and the quinquunks stick with the three degree. Don't expand it beyond that. Um, It just Truly, that's now you're doing some kind of like wishful thinking, trying to make them have an aspect when they really don't. And the sextile, it's a sixty degree angle plus or minus three, and it shows opportunity. So, so while there's some ease between the ener- the energies, it isn't fluid like it is with the trine. So it shows opportunity, like there's some experience in connecting them, and there's a desire in this life to make them work better together. And with, when one energy is activated, there is this opportunity to engage the other in a supportive way. And one of the things that um, you really want to look for if you have a piece in your chart that is really challenging to you, either because it's heavily aspected or for some reason it's just, you know, it, you struggle with it a lot. If you have a sextile, that's like an escape valve. You know, that's a way that says, okay, here's an opportunity to sort of get out of this difficult aspect. Like if you have an opposition between two pieces, then if one of those pieces forms a sextile with something else, that can sort of be a way that helps you, energizes you to sort of deal with that opposition. And then a quinquanx, that's 150 degrees, plus or minus three. And it's called the karmic neutralizer, because what happens is when one energy is activated, the other one just kind of shuts down. Oh, let me go back. So Mercury-Neptune uh, sextile. I want to make sure I cover that. So that just shows that the person is learning how to make sense out of their intuition, how to communicate it. Like they don't have that easy flow of the trine, but they're they really want their mind to be more creative in this life. They really want to learn how to verbalize their intuition in this life. So there is an opportunity to create more of a connection there. Okay, and then back to the quinquunks. And it's called the karmic neutralizer because it means in past lives, these energies sort of annihilated each other. Like they, they, they were, they battled in such a way that one shut the other down. And, and all of these, these aspects are formed from repetition in lifetimes. It isn't necessarily just one lifetime that creates that, that aspect. It's like multiple experiences that cause you now to develop this connection and quinconxes are they can be really i think the most challenging aspects to deal with because they're powerfully felt and subtle to notice you know the other aspects are a little bit more in your face in fact i know a lot of people that don't even address the quinconxes it's also called the inconjunct by the way but i find them to be very potent But they are harder to see within us because, you know, with the square, we feel the struggle. You know, with the opposition, we see that we're trying to get from one place to another. With the trine we get that we're flowing. And even with the conjunction, even though we confuse the energies, you know, we we get that they're working together. But with the quinquunks, when one thing shuts down the other, that can be hard to notice because it's so effective in the shutdown. So it's harder to see how that's working. So for example, let's go through some examples. Like if you have moon, Mars, quinquunks, you know, what that means is that you can have a person that has a hard time going after what they want and still feeling like they're able to have a family or they're still able to, nurture their emotional health and well-being or those are people that sometimes have food issues that they're not aware of Uh, they can be people that can have over they can have trouble sustaining relationships over long periods of time because the more they focus on this on the the sex in the relationship the less maybe emotionally attached they feel to the person so you know the the are they're they're difficult because one thing kind of shuts the other thing down one thing tends to nullify the other with the with the mercury neptune in a quincunx the rational mind can just completely dismiss intuition when it surfaces so it isn't even like the sort of you know rational battle it just it just negates it like fears and self-doubt can rise up as made-up stories in their heads that you know aren't really true but that neptune just sort of overrides what makes sense and so you know they just kind of get scared about something they don't like where did that they don't even know where that idea came from so the the quin-quunks is a very strong aspect to feel again within the 3 degrees but it's hard to notice and so with that like mercury neptune quincunx rationally if you have this then you understand like That someone, let's say you had plans with someone and they canceled those plans. And so, okay, you get it. They canceled their plans because let's say they weren't feeling well, but then there's like, there's some part of you that makes up this whole rejection story instead of just accepting the fact that the other person doesn't feel well. It's like, you know, instead of just accepting what your mind knows to be true as a fact, okay. You know Lisa didn't feel well, so she canceled on me. It turns into this you know I didn't think that she really wanted to go anyway, and why didn't she just tell me that she didn't want to go and I think the last time we were going to go to the movie she can't she used that excuse again, and it's like this imagination can just shut down what you know to be true, you know and and vice versa. You can have some intuition that comes to you, but it just completely. It just complete, the door just gets completely slammed shut on it because nope, I know this for a fact and I'm not even going to consider what my intuition is trying to tell me. So there are deep karmic lessons that come with the quinquunks. You know, why does a person have these pieces that are shutting the other down? And those are, you know, as you go to learn to tell the stories in your chart, you know, the, with the last podcast, I was talking about. Sort of beginning to dip your toe in that water by looking at the sign and the house. And, you know, if there are aspects also to a piece that you're looking at, that is another layer of getting even deeper into the story because those aspects show ex- those experiences from other lives that formed those beliefs. So remember, there's uh, an orb which says the plus or minus. And I use seven degrees except for sextile and quincunx. And for those, I use three degrees. In conjunct, same thing. I just like the word quinquunks. You know, it's, it's weird. The first time I ever heard it, you know, 40 some years ago, I just thought it was like this incredibly weird, cool word. So I latched onto it. But in conjunct means the same thing. And then hopefully you can see, since I, I kind of stayed consistent with Mercury and Neptune, how that aspect differs, how that gets played out. So that's a quick overview of aspects. We'll definitely be doing more podcasts on aspects. You know, I could do multiple podcasts on just one type of aspect. But just to introduce the topic, I wanted to kind of quickly go over. What each one is, and those are the main aspects that I use. There are more minor or subtle aspects, but um, I think this is the best starting point. And really, I would first look at if you have any conjunctions, because those are the easiest ones to see in your chart and oppositions. Um, those are just visually easier to spot. But, you know, pretty much anywhere you get your chart printed, it'll usually, um, uh, it, it'll often list what they are, but it's not that hard. Just, you know, take a minute. Don't, don't get confused. I think it's all mathy, you know, um, be very visual and you can learn to look at the chart and see, you know, how they form two signs over on either direction. Cause that's 60 degrees. You'll see if you have a sextile. If you go three signs over, you know, in either direction, you'll see if you have a square cause that's 90 degrees and then 120 degrees. That's Four signs on either side. But just remember that it has to be within that orb. So if you're looking at a piece in your chart that's, say, at 10 degrees of Taurus, and you go, okay, four degrees in one direction, and let's see, that takes you to Virgo, and it's 20 degrees. Nope, that's not within, you know, the seven degree orb. But if it were 15 degrees, a Virgo, then yes, it would be within that. Or you look in the opposite direction. You have something in Capricorn. Is it within that seven degrees? So, you know, and then the quinquunks would be five signs and then the opposition is six or just look directly opposite. And in an equal house chart, which I hope you're using, really need to use an equal house chart, then it's even easier. It's kind of, an, it's really hard to see them in the Placidus chart because the houses are all Dorked up, but notice I didn't use the, I didn't F bomb because I'm trying to avoid that rating for the podcast. But, um, anyway, so think of that. It's multiples of 30 degrees. So when you're looking at it, you want to kind of look at that many signs, you know, and say, Oh, okay. Yep. That's, that's three signs over there. Yep. It's within, you know, seven degrees. Oh, yeah. I see. That's a square. So and it, but it, you know, it takes time to get. Um, you know, practice at being able to see it quickly. But in the meantime, you can sort of slowly look through. And then, like I said, a lot of um, uh, printouts that you get from different, um, you know, computer generated uh, charts will a lot of times list it. The only thing is, is um, you need to check the orb that they use. Uh, sometimes you can set the orb. Like some, if you're using like an app on your phone or computer, you can choose what orb you want for each. Aspect, and I encourage you to set the orbs that I use because I've just found that that's what works. And people have asked me, "Well, you know, why why not this orb or that orb?" Because it is up to the astrologer. Different astrologers use different orbs, and you know what I'm doing is I'm just sharing what I have found to work. And it's more than my opinion. I mean. Uh, you know, use what is best for you. Some astrologer is using, another astrologer is using what's best for them. But this isn't like something I've just been doing for a couple of weeks. You know, it served me well, successfully over several, several thousand charts over decades. So, you know, it is, it's, it's tested, so to speak. So that's why, you know, I stress strongly to, to use what I use because I figure if you're listening to my podcast, if you're coming to my, you know, Instagram, if you're, you know, studying with me in whatever way, then, you know, I'm showing up to share with you what I use. And so those are the orbs that I use because I, f- I have found them to work. And hopefully that gives you kind of an overview. We'll be talking more about aspects in the future, but I wanted to give you sort of a general sense of what they are. And I hope that you do now have a better understanding of what they are. So as always, you can find me on Instagram on um, at karmicastrology. And you can um, go to the link in the bio and get to my website, karmicastrology.com. There's a button to email me, lisa at karmicastrology.com you can sign up for my weekly email. It's free. It goes out on Sunday mornings. It's a little uh, something that I don't post anywhere, just a little something that I share. And uh, let me know what you want to hear in the next podcast. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you have a beautiful day.